So I promise you this episode of the podcast will be 100% cohesive when it's all said and done, but I'm going to jump around a little bit and do things completely different. For one, you're going to notice there is not the usual intro music by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. That's because this is going to be a potential bonus segment of the podcast as I'm exploring what y'all enjoy seeing. I really enjoy the storytelling episodes, and my listeners, I don't know if you're on board with me. Some people seem to. I get some good feedback about it, but overall, listen stats are kind of down. And here's the deal. This is the fun part for me, is I've stopped paying as much attention to my podcast ranking or how many downloads I'm having, and I'm just having fun with it because, and this is the big because, the podcast doesn't help me sell books. I don't ultimately want to have a book marketing business where I help other people sell their books. I want to sell my books. And so if I'm going to do the podcast going forward, and a lot of this you've already heard, I'm going to have a podcast that is meaningful to me and beneficial to you at the same time. Then I don't have to worry about whether it sells anything, and I can just make this thing and deliver it to you and believe that we're all in this together. I came to this conclusion because while I really strongly believe that my perspective can help authors who want to sell more copies of their books to sell more copies of their books, I also think I'm in the soup with you. I'm in the ocean swimming with you. I don't know how to actually take my mindset, which is quitless, and translate it into results. And so that's the process I'm in right now. So today's episode is going to be direct responses to a Twitter thread. If you responded to this Twitter thread, I'm going to read your tweet and I'm going to expand on my thought process about this. And then I'm going to at you on Twitter when the episode goes live, which will be this coming Monday, February the something. Uh, It's like Valentine's the day before. Anyways, happy Valentine's to all you lovers. And we're going to see if we can start a conversation because that to me is the missing piece of this podcast is I am speaking to you, but you're not talking back to me and I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. A, do you enjoy this? Is this going well? I hear from Heather O'Brien frequently, but I also email back and forth with her and we read each other's work and support each other. And um, other than that, I hear occasionally from Corey. Thank you, Corey. You've been a lot of fun to get to know through this podcast. Uh, And that is just about it. I'll get the one-off emails. Oh, I will mention Dr. Sheena Howard. Uh, Her and I have been working together for many months, and she does frequently respond to my tweets. And I enjoy her very direct, very intense style on Twitter. If you're not following Dr. Sheena Howard, if you're not following Heather O'Brien or Corey, go follow all of them. I'll drop their ats in the show notes. And then before we dive into this experimental episode, I have a couple of other things. I don't like the word humbled, but I kind of am humbled that the music producer, uh, publisher, what, what do you call it? The label? I don't even know if they're a label, but they're, they're chill hop. You can listen to chill hop on Spotify. If you have Spotify, a lot of really great music focused, instrumental, relaxed, 
emotional music called Chill Hop. There's a lot of different artists. I listen to Sleepy Fish, a bunch of Vino. I hope I'm pronouncing their name correctly, uh, among many others that I really enjoy. And I listen to them because my household is super loud. I have three children, 10, 9, and 7 years old, and they don't know how to whisper. Uh, it gets loud. It gets rambunctious. And if I need to be working when the children are home, I pop in my headphones. I pop in whatever, you know, over-the-ear headphones or just like little earbuds. Uh, you probably don't know this about me, but my left ear, uh, I have a birth defect. It is misshapen, so I have to wear a really specific kind of earphone. Like the gummy ones tend to work really well uh, if it's going to be like an earbud type of sound. It still has to go over the ear. Anyways, more than you needed to know. I listen to chill hop music almost exclusively in order to be able to get into deep focus to write if the children are around. Um, I also will listen to it when I'm reading if the children are around, and it helps me to drown out noises. It also just seems to get my brain focused. So I had this harebrained idea to reach out to them and say, hey, is it possible I could use your music for my podcast? And I didn't hear anything for a while. And then I got invited to become uh, somebody who's a partner with them and gets to use their music for my podcast in exchange for giving them a shout out. So you'll hear me giving them a shout out pretty frequently, especially in this thread of episodes, if it works out, but elsewhere as well, because I just love it. I want to share it with you. And I also think emotionally, it really fits the content that I try to bring to you. I've never been loud, rambunctious. I've never been super uh, high in my emotions probably right now is the most intense I get. So thank you, Chill Hop, for letting me use the different artists inside of your label. I think it's a label. Um, and great, great music. In my show notes, there'll be links that you can listen to those. You can add them to your Spotify rotation. Try to listen to it. See if it works for you the same way it does for me. It's great focus music, great meditation music, great creative music. Okay, so that's that. And then next thing, next thing. There are 25 copies of the ebook for The Nine Lives of Marvita Longhai that are floating out there. 24 of them are currently, no, 23. 23 of them are currently unaccounted for. I don't know who you are. I don't know your reading pace or your schedule. I'm putting some mild to moderate pressure on you to leave a rating and review on Amazon and Goodreads, if you'll do both for me. Some people don't actually buy $50 a year off of Amazon, and if that's the case, they won't let you review a book there. Um, and that's fine. Just review it for me on Goodreads. Drop a review somewhere. Every review you leave for The Nine Lives of Marvita Long High helps me to look more legitimate in the eyes of a stranger who visits my site to see about my book. And you know... I'm trying to make a living on this. I am gambling everything for it. So if you took a free book, leave a review. We're all kosher. We're good. I'll give away a thousand books if people will leave reviews. So if you still want one, let me know. I have some free copies left. I can make them available to you. Um, but make sure that you only ask for that free copy if you're willing to leave a rating and review. And hey, if you've bought the book and you're listening to this, you finished it and you forgot to review it, rate it, do those things, please. 
at the very minimum, leave a star rating. And listen, the deal is, if you didn't love it, if it didn't connect with you, leave a two-star rating, leave a one-star rating. Tell me why it was crap, because that's the other thing. Just like this podcast, your feedback helps me to be better at what I'm doing. I'm happy to hear from you. I'm happy to take into consideration what you have to say, and I'm happy to make changes where it's obvious that your ideas are better than mine. That's the truth. I am not so arrogant that I believe my voice is perfect, that my story is perfect. I'm darn proud of it. But really, you know, I understand things can get better. I've been writing for a long time and I know that I'm never 100% pleased even when I hit publish. I think that there are things that I didn't achieve that I was hoping to achieve. If you're a writer, you're really vibing with that. If you're a reader, yeah, you have authority. Tell me what you need, what you want. I'm happy to take it under consideration. That doesn't mean I'm going to sell to the highest bidder. Although if you have a bid, I'll listen. (laughs) Without further ado, let's dive in to today's tweet and the conversation that is going to arise from it. Uh, You'll notice in the show notes, if you're the kind of person who reads them, or if you're subscribed to my Substack, which I highly uh, recommend that you subscribe to the Substack for this show, because there's so much written content that comes along with it uh, that enriches your experience. You're mostly going to see that in a big way today, because this whole episode is based on me reading my tweet, reading the responses, and then fleshing out this conversation further. The tweet for today is a quote by the amazingly talented author of Sonny's Blues. It is none other than James A. Baldwin. And here is the tweet that I sent out into the world at 10.32 a.m. on February 9th of 2023. For those of you who'd like to catalog exact moments. Talent is insignificant. I know a lot of talented ruins. Beyond talent lie all the usual words discipline, love, luck, but most of all, endurance. If you've been following my Twitter, I've been reflecting a lot on endurance these past couple of days, weeks, because I'm in the middle of an advertising campaign. I am spending my own money to get my book out into the world, hoping to eventually turn the ship around and have a positive return on ad spend where I sell more books than I spend on ads to sell books on a daily basis. I got close for a little while, and then things died on me. Um, I likened it to The Alchemist, for those of you who have read The Alchemist before, where in the beginning of a journey, a lot of times you experience early success when something is quote-unquote meant to be. And so you'll have this kind of thrust of, of wow, I'm, I'm so thrilled by how well-received this particular thing is. And then the real journey begins in The Alchemist. You have that early success that, that keys you in to pay attention, followed by a fairly long desert. And I feel like I'm in the desert right now. Hopefully it's not too long because the last 15 years of my life have been intermittent or longer versions of deserts, trying to work through each phase of the writing journey to get even to the moment I'm at. Um, By all intents and purposes, I am a vast and major failure, but I'm selling books. So I related with this quote in a huge way. I, I can't tell you if I'm talented or not. 
I don't know if I'm talented. I got some comments from friends uh, throughout my life who said that writing was uh, a skill of mine. I had a principal at boarding school. I went to boarding school because I was a troubled kid and got expelled and you know put in jail and all those fun things. I had a principal who wrote on my graduation report card thing, um, writing has a place in your future. Uh, and I, I moved forward with that, just kind of stored it away. And, um, I heard again when I started community college, community college about six years later, um, my timelines might be a little bit wrong here, but it was a, it was a significant amount of time later. I was late to the whole college thing, and I originally thought I was going to get my nursing degree so that I could make enough money working a few enough days that I could really focus on writing the other four days of the week. Um, at any rate, in community college, I had a professor. Shout out to you, Mr. Frank Shemerdla. You are, to this day, one of the most important people in my life because you told me that I had a great skill for writing. Um, you caught something in my essays that you liked and you encouraged me. And it is that singular event, more so even than the high school principal, uh, that got me really, really dug in here. I'd been journaling for a long time at that point. I'd been doing the writing. And that's the, that's the part of this James Baldwin quote that's really important is that I had two people say you have skill, you have talent, but they didn't see the years of journaling that I'd been doing. I was a religious journaler daily. Uh, in fact, the desk I'm standing at right now, there are uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 Mead composition notebooks that are filled with my journaling. Um, and my computer is full of writing and my Dropbox is full of writing. I was writing all of this time uh, people will tell you that I've been a prolific writer for a long time. And the reason I say this is because for me, it is the silent endurance of time that enabled me to have a voice. Uh, I became an avid reader after graduating boarding school because of my experience. I never had to read the quote unquote classics like Moby Dick or, um, Catcher in the Rye, uh, The Great Gatsby, all of those books, uh, the Russians. I really, really love Dostoevsky, and there's no chance I would have enjoyed any of that had I read it at the appointed time, but I read it later on my own, wanting to have the voice that was inside of my peers from the traditional track of high school. Uh, and so I looked into all of those things, and I read them, and I assimilated them, and I found that literature was what made most sense to me, endurance. At that time in my life, I don't think I was uh, intentionally considering publication, writing fiction, trying my hand at it, not any more than your, your typical person might say, hey, I might someday write a book. Maybe that was where I was at. And uh, I had a relationship with uh, a young lady, woman, who turned me down that road. And she she made a comment that all you have to do is write 15 minutes a day and eventually you'll have a book. It was something along those lines. And she was really fascinated by writers. And so that was where I started to think, I wonder if I could be a writer. Um, and I always think of, there's a Lyle Lovett song, for those of you who know Lyle Lovett, if you don't, he's a great musician. I've seen him on concert several times, and uh, he's right there at the top of my favorites. He he says, um, there's a song, I'm not going to get the lyrics right right now, but he talks about this 
book. I think it is a book, actually. And he says he loves this book so much. It was given to him by a, an old girlfriend, and he never <laughs> never really cared for her very much, but he's always loved that book. I, I'm probably butchering the lyrics. Shoot me an email or comment on, on Substack if you remember the lyrics. I'd love to find it. Um, anyways, he mentions that, and that's exactly how I feel. It's like I've moved on from this original flame that I had, but I kept from her this seed in my brain that writing belonged in my world. So, okay. I think I've given you this very long setup to this quote from James Baldwin, because the responses on Twitter in some ways surprised me. And I want to, I'm going to get a little saucy here. So I apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings. You can unfollow me on Twitter. You can rage against me. You can leave a bad review on Apple uh, or, you know, a one-star review on Spotify, anywhere that you listen. I am happy to hear from you why I'm wrong. Um, Because listen, Twitter has the unfortunate limitation that it is just a couple of sentences to try to express more eloquent and deep thoughts. Uh, That said, if you left a lot of space, I assume you said it as well as you wanted to say it. And so I might be a little stronger on those of you who left short replies to James Baldwin. So let's start out with my friend, Dr. Sheena Howard. Um, I consider her a friend. I think that she would probably say the same of me. And so I'm, I'm super safe to just have a fun conversation with you, uh, Dr. Howard. You replied to the James Baldwin tweet. Let's read it one more time, just so it's fresh on everybody's mind. Talent is insignificant. I know a lot of talented ruins. Beyond talent lie the usual words, discipline, love, luck, but most of all, endurance. Dr. Howard, you said talent is obviously important too, unless you're wealthy. Uh, I responded to you in short, absolutely. What resonates with me about the quote though, is that persistence wins. Without persistence, even money fails to make the difference. What I didn't put inside of my tweet is that I think about a lot of podcasters actually out there right now who started a podcast with the uh, advice of somebody that said, hey, it's great for branding and and all that kind of stuff, but they didn't take time to learn their voice. They didn't take time to uh, figure out what worked and what didn't work. They saw worse download numbers than they thought. They couldn't figure out how to monetize it, whatever it might be, and they left before they had an opportunity to discover their voice. Um, There's a lot of money behind that, but there was not the will to endure to find your voice. And I believe strongly that everybody has a voice. I believe that everybody has a voice so important and so profound that everybody can, in fact, write a book. I I think earlier in this episode, I mentioned, you know, the quote unquote, maybe I'll write a book someday. Those people who make that comment uninformedly upset me. But I also think, yeah, maybe you will. If you ever choose to batten down the hatches and really work at it, endurance wins this game. Talent, I believe, talent is in all of us. Talent is obviously important too, unless you're wealthy, Dr. Howard says. Talent is very important, but it's not rare. It is the most common of all qualities in humans. We, whether you are a a religious person who believes that we've only been around for a couple thousand years and we were created out of dust, or you are deeply entrenched in science and believe we have evolved over billions of years, we rose above all the other creatures in the world. 
one way or another. And we sit atop of it because we have this breed, this blend of consciousness that enables us to interact with our world and manipulate it more effectively than anything, possibly than fungi, but that's not my specialty. So I will leave fungi out there for you people who enjoy uh, that world to comment. Let's have a conversation. I'll have you on the podcast. We'll talk about it. Um, But anyway, we are the creature who can most effectively manipulate our environment so that we can live underwater, we can live in space, we can live on land in mountains, we can live in freezing cold dark, we can live in boiling hot light. Everywhere in the world is is limitlessly available to us human beings who inherently have talent. It is talent of consciousness. It is talent of ability to manipulate and move. None of us lack talent. And so... This idea that you don't have talent is mistaken. All right, I I could keep talking on that, but let's get a couple more responses in here. Dr., and I'm going to probably mispronounce some names here, Dr. Manish Kumar, I think is probably how it's pronounced. Manish Kumar um, says, like the rich, only the talented can say this. I think that that is hilarious, and it really piggybacks well on Dr. Howard. So we've got two doctors jumping in and talking about talent. Um, this one, I think, is the most insidious of the replies, and I apologize, Dr. Kumar. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Leave a comment. Let's go. But here is where it gets most insidious. Like the rich, only the talented can claim that talent doesn't matter. And what I responded to him was no, just simply that no. Quitters prize talent. Show me a failure and I will show you someone who refuses to do what was necessary. This is where we're going to get saucy, folks, okay? I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your lineage is like. I don't care what your heritage is. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care socioeconomics, anything you can think of. Let's just say I sit atop of the privileged pyramid. I am fully aware of that. White guy, six foot five. I build muscle easily. My face isn't horrible to look at, a lot better when I'm a little bit thinner. But the deal is, is I am not in any way limited by the birth position I was given. I had a decent amount of money. I was born in Colorado, raised in Colorado. We had access to coin if we needed it. We lived a little bit like we were poor, but we had the money. If I was sick, I was going to get health care. So the mountain I had to climb to get where I'm at, and I'm not very high, is a lot shorter than the mountain you have to climb if you come from an underprivileged race with uh, a religious background that holds you back and socioeconomics that keep you from fresh food and all of the things that you need. I get that. I understand that. And yet, the slate is clear for all of us. The slate is clean for all of us when it comes to endurance. All of us need to endure to get places. All of us need to work hard. All of us need to say, I can do this. The train is coming through. All of us, every last one of us, 
has to make a choice, whether you want to or not, to defy the odds or to blame the odds. You can blame the odds or you can defy the odds. That is your choice, okay? So if you want to be rich and you're poor right now, make some choices about money, how you spend it. Go out and research. Figure it out. People before you have done it who are exactly the same color as you, who are exactly the same religion as you, who are exactly the same wealth as you, who are in the same place you are with mental disabilities. People have done all of this. I am not an ableist. I have children with mental disabilities. I myself battle with depression in ways that you don't understand. I have fought alcoholism for all of my adult life and most of my youth life. I started drinking, smoking cigarettes, getting in trouble. I am not unaware of the challenges that come from inside our brain. I am not unaware of those things. I know what it feels like. Yeah, I started higher up on the mountain, but my internal landscape is not so different than yours. My internal world is not so different than yours. So the world will view me differently. They will look at me and they will give me credit for being mentally stable. They will give me credit for being reasonably educated just because of my white skin. I know that. I understand that just because I am male and not female, because I don't happen to have breasts, <laughs> I will get the benefit of the doubt. I understand. I'm not arguing that. But there are people who have more than I do, who have achieved less than I have. And there are people who have less than I have, who have achieved more than I have. Where you land on the scale of wealth or race ultimately does not matter. Your endurance does. And so let me say that James Baldwin was a gay black man. Okay. Dr. Manish Kumar, remember, James Baldwin was a gay black man living in a time when black men were lynched for the color of their skin and gays were as well. Let's put it aside that only the rich and talented, you know, could make a claim like that. Good grief, moving right along. I told you I was going to get saucy. That one really gets under my skin. And it's hard to, for me to talk about it because of my skin color and my position in the world. It's difficult for me to even push back or even talk about this publicly to have a conversation. So please understand, I'm open to being wrong, but the way I see the world right now, everything I said was spot on. Um, and, and let's have a conversation about it. Ann M. Smith, uh, Nochasek, sorry, definitely pronouncing your last name wrong in some way. Uh, she says, I think talent is significant, but one needs the discipline, luck, etc., to enhance it. I have really nothing more to add to that. I agree that talent is significant. I would just re-emphasize that all of us have talent. Dale. Dale Estee. I really want to read your work, by the way. If you happen to listen to this podcast, I, I want to let you know, I just love your attitude on Twitter. You, you are, uh, you're a verbal jouster and it's a lot of fun. He says, uh, in quotes, talent is insignificant, unquote. James be an error on this point. There's not enough for me to dig in, but I think I've presented my case for why James not be an error. Um, so moving along to the last one.
in this group. Talent cannot take the place of relentless persistence. Thank you, Robbie Joshua. Follow Robbie Joshua. I think you got this 10 million percent agreed is my response to you. I don't have much more to add to that either. But yes, persistence. Persistence wins because your talent is there. It's dormant. It's waiting to be expressed. And I want to borrow from a podcast episode I recently listened to by Tara Bieber, uh, Swart Bieber. Uh, and I've mentioned her a lot of times on this podcast. If you're not already listening to her, now's the time that you need to go find her podcast and listen to it because she's talking about things from a scientific perspective that most people think is hogwash. Like um, she's giving legs to and ground to The Secret. Uh, I can't remember the name of the author who wrote The Secret. I've actually never read it, but I understand the basic idea behind it. Um, Dr. Bieber is giving a foundation to that about why there's some science behind it. Uh, I think that it's nuanced. Um, also, Joe Rogan recently talked on an episode of his podcast about why it's hogwash and he's wrong. He's uninformed, at least. There's there's some science behind this idea of, of visualizing what you want and creating it um, out of out of your, your brain because something happens when you build persistence. You wake up talent. Anyways, I got a little off track there. Dr. S- uh, Swart Bieber says in a recent episode of her podcast that you your brain remembers what you tell it to remember. So if you grew up, for example, with someone like my brother, you remember all the lyrics to Metallica because you listened to them, you cared about them, you identified with them, and he can still cite the lyrics to Metallica. My friend John Gimbel, uh, who was the first proto-guest of this podcast, he can uh, list off a bunch of raps. He can do a whole host of different performances. He remembers them verbatim, long ones, like minutes long. I once in my religious fervor had the whole book of Second Peter uh, from the Bible memorized. We remember what we pay attention to, what matters to us. Talent is no different. I'm not a scientist, but let's go out and find it together. It exists. Talent is no different. You are talented in what you care about, what you pay attention to. Uh, for another podcast, let's discuss limitations that are both physical or Um, mental because one example, and I don't remember where it is, uh, I discussed being um, talented as a horse rider. Um, Because I went to a boarding school that was an equine assisted therapy boarding school, I learned how to ride horses, to interact with horses, how to put on horseshoes, how to feed them, how to assess like any kind of illnesses. And I went on long trail rides and just became fairly intimately involved. Not that way, you nasty gutter brain, just, you know, closely involved with the world and the life of a horse. And I'm a good horse rider. I can post. You know, I get in the perfect position to be aerodynamic. But the problem is I'm 250 pounds. I'm not going to win any horse races anytime soon. That's my physical limitation. But you want to hear something? You want to hear something crazy? I could, if I chose, do something drastic. I could do something so drastic that I could win horse races. And here's what that looks like. First, I would have to have the endurance and the persistence to lose 100 pounds. I could lose 100 pounds for my 250-pound frame, and I would look gaunt to most people. I probably look unhealthy. I might even be unhealthy at that weight because I'm six foot five. remember. But I could get down there. And if I cared so deeply about the sport, I could have my legs amputated below the knees so I could still clutch the horse. Um, Posting would be a little different, but if I had shorter stirrups, we could figure that out. Um, And there you go. I am a jockey who could win a horse race. So you might not be willing to cut your legs off to see your dreams come true, but don't ever say that you are unable to do it because you are. And actually behind all of this, 
I am trying to inspire you. That whatever you're looking at right now, whatever you are seeing in front of you that makes you think you can't do it, you're making an excuse. If you're listening to this podcast and you think the end has come because you don't have what it takes, you're wrong. You have what it takes. I have what it takes. You persist. If money runs out, figure out how to make more of it. If allies run out, figure out where to find the next one. If believers don't seem to attract to you, figure out why. What in your message is not attracting them? Because you can sacrifice in order to see your dream come true. And that is what lies at the bottom of this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's going to be just absolutely a pleasure to hopefully get some angry responses to it, as well as some encouragement. Um, And most, most of all, I hope that I caught you on a day and a moment when you needed to hear this, when you needed to get a fire in your belly because you're standing in front of an insurmountable or what feels like an insurmountable challenge. You got this. Go get it.